Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Energy Captains podcast. Whitney Holtzman, the co-host, myself, Cameron Lynch. Whitney, it's great to see you again. So great to see you too, Cam. And, uh, you know, thanks for hanging with us little people after broadcasting the Super Bowl. I know you have 100 million more friends now, so we appreciate your undivided attention. Well, I mean, we do have someone in this uh, here chat and this here conversation today that uh, is worth the celebrity uh you know, introduction. So we want to introduce one of Whitney's clients for Social Victories. I'm a client of hers as well, but the star of the group, the uh, the goat of the all goats, Brandon Copeland, my man. Hello. <laughs> I appreciate you. How y'all doing? We're, we're doing great. We're a lot warmer than you are. And we wish you were here with yeah. us. It, it feels like there's a void not having you here. You come to Florida, but not close enough to us. So we're still waiting. I'm just a guest. I'm just a guest <laughs> in, the, in the house of Florida. <laughs> Well, we hope it's permanent one day. I'll remind you about the no income tax, you know, maybe every other sentence. Um, but I have to say, this is a really special episode for me because my dream in life is to have all of my favorite people in one place. And that's currently happening at this moment. And I don't know how many times you guys have actually heard me say it, but pretty much anyone that I talk to, I refer to you guys um, as my champions. You were my first two clients. I love that you have become friends, but you have made so much possible for me. You both are such strong supporters of women. And also like, thank you for paying me because you wouldn't believe like what it's like trying to be a woman in this field and the things people say, like, I thought you were a nice girl. So why are you asking for money? Or um, if you really believed in this, you would do it for free. So thank you for both of you for supporting me in every possible way. Well, I mean, thank you. I mean, shoot, you you uh, <laughs> took risk on us. I mean, I think that that's a, a lovely way to start the conversation. But I think, that, you know, ultimately um, your work has spoken for itself and and not only your work. I mean, besides your work, your personality, uh, like I said, you took chances on us. I remember calling you and and just saying, hey, I'm not sure if it's even worth your time. Right. <laughs> and and Hello. again, lo and behold, we've, we've grown and we've done things that, you know, I don't think any of us ever really expected when we started. And although we expected a lot from ourselves, I don't think we could have planned it like this. And the, the cool thing about us is I think we all are thirsty for more, right? And humble and happy and um, grateful. I think that's more important because a, a lot of people here are thirsty for more, right? Well, no, like we're, I'm very grateful, very thankful but I also have a bigger vision and bigger picture that, you know, we, we just warmed up. So I'm, I'm again, I thank you. Oh, yeah, well we just, go oh, ahead. sorry. We didn't go ahead. I was going to say, you know, Brandon, you were my very first client ever. Like what made you willing to take a chance on me? Cause I always say I'm sort of the opposite of what a typical agent or representative looks like. And as you've become like such a big deal now, did you ever think of like ditching me along the way? Like I'm really grateful you have it. <laughs> Now I think, uh, well, there's a couple funny things about that. One, I had no idea what you looked like because there was no Zoom. Well, Zoom probably was existed back then, but I one, I didn't necessarily care what you looked like. It was more about the personality fit and, and also just the willingness to grow and work together. Um, two, I think... Um, I don't even know if I, I don't even think I knew that I was your first client. Uh, well, I know we kind of gotten in touch with each other because, um, you know, I saw some of the work you did for 
Brandon Marshall and Fitzpeed and all of those things. And I loved that work. And, um, you know, I think that the biggest thing that I saw originally was I was, I knew I wanted more from my platform. And I think the biggest thing is just coming into the relationship fair and coming into the relationship open and understand. I do remember because I was at the Charlotte coaches convention trying to push this venture that I was invested in uh, and still invested in, you know, shout out to, to status pro. Um, but I remember we were talking about payment and I remember me, I thought that what I was coming in with was pretty fair and your number was actually lower than that at the time. Right. Um, and I think that I was just like, listen, like, let's do 20% because I also want you not to put your numbers out there, but I also want you to always be incentivized to, to just go after it. And I know that there's also going to be things that happen for free that a lot of people don't appreciate, or, or it might not be any money that comes from it, but that is going to be a trampoline for us in the future. And so if we, if we do something for free, that's not paid and it is a trans, a springboard for something that we do in the future. I also want that 20%, for example, uh, to be something that, that helps make up for the work that you do and, and don't get paid for. So again, I think it was a bit of a, a mix of just both, parties coming into it fair and open and then also both parties being willing to roll up their sleeves and you know just say yes to a lot of different opportunities and build together yeah I totally forgot about that moment but it, the memory came totally came flooding back when you were telling that story and I think what I find so special about both is both of you is that I tell people you're two of the first people I've ever met um, aside from my family that show me what I deserve like you both treat me better than I could have ever imagined or pictured. And I didn't know that existed until I met both of you. No. Yeah. I think, it's, I mean, I think it's just a, a lot of people are trying to get over on business, <laughs> you know, and it's just like at a certain point you, you talk about burning bridges and, and just besides being a, just a decent human being, my, my philosophy is there's more than enough room at the table for all of us. And so do what I rather try to, there are people, let's, let's get all the way real. There are people who've tried to burn me on real estate deals, for example, right? Like, Keep it 100, Keep it yeah, like, like people who have said, Hey, I'm going to try to get 6,000 extra dollars from Coke right now. I'm going to try to say that we knocked into this wall and we found something. We got to get an extra six. You're an idiot. Especially if I find out, because guess what? We could have done 200, 300 homes together, you would have made six figures, not 6,000, right? But you looking at the short-term little money didn't realize that, hey, we're, we're, we're graduating, we're growing, right? Like we're a stock. Like we, I was doing a, a, a show with my, my boy and, you know, he quoted the Drake song, my stock been grow, going up like a crescendo, right? Like we're growing together. And I think that that's what a lot of people miss out on. It's like the immediate return or the, the will to get something immediate, immediate satisfaction, they completely lose sight of the long-term growth potential that we have together. Right. And it's yeah. funny that pe people see you as rich or wealthy. Cause I've always been like, he only lives on 15% of his salary. So if I don't do deals, he's not going to have any money to pay me. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Yeah. And I feel like too, you know, for all of us and me working with each of you, 
the most rewarding part has been the sense of accomplishment that we got to do it together. Like the money is fun, but it doesn't come anywhere near like getting to achieve the goal with a teammate and someone you've worked so hard with and care so much about. Like people miss the actual value. 100%. Yeah. I think that that's like, you know, like you, you alluded to, you know, growing as a business man, but as a business, um, you know, I emphasize that, right? Like Jay-Z, I'm not a businessman. I'm a business man, right? Um, but as you grow, you know, what I find, uh, you know, a lot of people start to elevate and uh, not necessarily, they think they're elevating. Some people elevate for the better, right? Like there's people in my life who I've stopped working with them and work with new people. And it's 100% a great decision. It makes sense. It helps me and my family and it period. It's great. Right. But some people feel like, okay, I've graduated from this and I just need to elevate, elevate, elevate. But they kick out the people who were true to them when no one else wanted them. Right. And then also more importantly, also have the skill set that you're looking for. Right. Like, and I think that that's um, the skill set that that you're looking for and that will win. And I think that, you know, for me, from a business standpoint, I don't have everything perfect. I don't have everything right. I'm, I'm not claiming that. But what I'm trying to what I try to do is trust my gut and also just provide opportunities for us to have a more inclusive team so that we can work together. Right. Like Whitney and Cam, both of you help with Beyond the Basics, right, like help with the foundation. We've grown those things to I mean. Um, like who would have ever thought we'd give away over 160 grand this year to families. Right. But like, when you come to those meetings, like how many people are bringing together multiple NFL teams, multiple NFL players, multiple people who are usually competing. Right. But now we're all in this thing working together. But I think if you um, just create the space for us all to have a seat at the table, there's plenty of room. And a lot of people don't don't view it that way. It's like, I got to be the best. My foundation has to be the best. I have to do this, right? Like, as opposed to like, no, you have your shine. Let's just, if we do it together, we we get more and we help more people. Why not? And Brandon, too, you mentioned beyond the basics for the people listening. Can you describe that a little bit more? And just our involvement as a group here, as the three goats in yeah. Beyond the Basics. Yeah, yeah. So Beyond the Basics, Inc. is uh, my wife and I are, are found. Oh, our foundation, our nonprofit that we started, uh, it, it became official in 2018, but we've been doing this work since 2013, since I came into the NFL. Um, it's its goal and its mission is to help youth realize their full potential. So, you know, I realized that I, I, I am special because I have the ability to work hard. I have the ability to say, I don't know something, but I'm going to work hard to learn it, research it, study it, grow myself. Right. Some people just don't have that. Right. I also am in understanding that I am besides that, I'm not special. I'm just fortunate to have had people in my life, opportunities in my life, role models in my life who said, hey, look what you can do here or look at this school or look at this opportunity or come into this room, shake this person's hand. And a lot of students, a lot of kids out there just don't have anyone in their lives that can do that. So that's how we originally started the foundation to just give kids exposure to opportunities, role models um, and places. Right. And since then, we've we've grown while we still do that, that we've also grown to just be able to not be limited by the mission statement. 
So we want to find ways to help where we see fit. Like if, if I'm called to help people eat today, I don't want to be, ah, well, our mission statement is over here. I can't go over there and do that. No, like we're finding ways to do it. So the, the ways we've worked together for the past couple of years now, you know, we're growing, right. We getting some, some, uh, uh, we, we have an anniversaries pretty soon. Right. Um, the, the, past, the way we've worked together the past couple of years is through our December to remember event, um, as you alluded to where, uh, you know, we, you guys have been down in Tampa taking kids shopping, right. Blessing them all with target shopping sprees. And, uh, this year blessing people virtually, right. Because of the pandemic with Amazon gift cards, families, 800 bucks a piece, right. The kids got 200 bucks, but since we did families this year, we did 800 bucks. So it's been a, a honor to be able to work with, with the, the goats right here in, in terms of bringing that energy in Tampa. I mean, literally, you know, you guys have always set out the blueprint, right. I think it's for me personally, you know, foundation is, is like a child, I'll say that I don't want to, you know, slight Bryson, uh, my baby boy, but, but ultimately like when you create, you're, you're pouring your mission into it. It's like all of your businesses is hard work is social victories. It's right. Like this is me and this is my DNA on this. So you're, you're very, you're very protective of the brand, but not just because of that. You're, you're like, I wouldn't just give my child to anybody without directions. Right. But with you guys, I, I literally like you guys, we hand it over to you and you take it and run with it and amplify it and make it so much better than we ever created. Right. <laughs> like, so that's why I think that, that we've worked well together and it's only continuing to just go up from here with smiles on faces. Were you just a little bit nervous about handing over the reins to us the first time not being here? <laughs> All right. I'm free with my foundation. No, nah, <laughs> nah, but I mean, again, I mean, I think you like, you know, we talk about it, you know, the, you've, you put in the work, Right. Like what a lot of people don't see, I think, you know, what a lot of people don't see, they see the event. Right. But they didn't see you fly up to New Jersey to be at my event the day before and then to kind of get a run through of just like, OK, how's this go? How's this work? How's this operate? Right. Like, so I really felt, whoa, like I didn't expect you to do that or anything like that, but I really felt like whoa, like we're, we're good. We definitely don't have to worry about that event. Right. We got to worry about the seven others, <laughs> but like that one, you know, we, we're, we're pretty good. Right. But that, again, that's what, that's what makes you different. That's what makes us on this phone different. Right. Cam, they see you at the Super Bowl broadcasting, but they don't talk about you at the broadcast boot camp, <laughs> and then going to broadcast in other places and just getting your feet wet and practicing. Right. They don't, people don't talk about those things. You know, it's the, the, what do they call it? What's, what's that? The glacier effect, right? Where they just see the the top. They don't see all the work that you've been putting in year over year over year over year. Like, um, and I think that that's, that's what makes us all different. That's what makes us all understand each other. And I think, you know, obviously we found out this year, the real reason you started working with me was for my ability to add items to Amazon carts. I mean, it <laughs> finally came to fruition. But for, I guess, both of you guys, you can tell that you're leading with your heart and it really is important for you to make a difference in the world. And it's so much stronger. I mean, what you did, Brandon, and what you do with December to remember, I mean, you're bringing together 20 NFL teams, even the league doesn't do that. So for both of you guys, what is the reason it's so important to leave such an impact? I'll let Cam go for it. You want me? You got it. Okay. I'll jump in really quick. Even though you are the guests here. 
Um, so I think it's important, right? I think if you look back to what happened to Vincent Jackson, right? Um, you know, the very tragic event. And I want to model my, my career after football after him, right? Like the way he just, you know, was engrossed in the community. Uh, he's a big military, his big military background. And, you know, he had restaurants, he had different things. I'm like, wow, I want to be like that. And, you know, now that he's gone, I play with the man, you know, it's like, he left, he left uh, something with the Tampa community that we'll never forget. And that's his legacy. That's how he made people feel on a day-to-day basis. So um, that's what I want to do. I want to leave something behind where people are like, yep, he's that guy, right? Like that Kobe effect. That's what I want for myself. That's major. That's major. I think it's similar. Um, I realized pretty early, I, well, I don't think I, I don't, necessarily want to be famous however i do want to be remembered and powerful i think that when i was a high school i remember being a high school athlete and i wasn't even in high school actually i was getting recruited to this high school (laughs) and i remember walking through the halls and the coach walking and showing us things and you see the old championship teams and you see the old championship football teams i consider myself a pretty humble individual and I'm looking at those teams and they're like, oh, yeah, that's such and such. Oh, he was an awesome player. Oh, that's this person. They were an awesome player. I'm like, oh, that's cool. That's cool. I'm going to be so good. You're going to forget them. Right. Like, I don't care about them. Right. Now, if I meet these people, I'm, I'm be very happy, very, you know, gracious, take their advice. But like as a competitor, as an athlete, I want to be so good that you don't even remember their names. Right. And so if that's how I think, I remember having this feeling, if that's how I think, then how long can my legacy last if I'm just an awesome football player? Because the next kid is going to come through here who's not even trying to be humble, <laughs> and they're going to just try to rip my, you know, rip any accolades I ever won up. And then what does that really mean? So I, th- I think that that was, in high school, that was something that made me just think, like, it's got to be more to my life than just football or just the sport. Um and what, what else that, can I do? Yeah, what is that feeling, that desire? Because most people don't have that or express it of like, I'm going to be so good, you're going to forget about them because that's what makes you special. But most people, it doesn't even compute with them. So can you just explain that a little further? Yeah, I think it's just from an athletic standpoint, right? It's it's just, I mean, I think we all, even though some of us won't admit it, we all want that to a certain extent, right? Like we all want to be the center of attention, right? Some of us will say we're introverts, yet when we post a picture on Instagram, we want a certain amount of likes, right? Like naturally our body kind of, ah, like, you know, ah, I'm, I'm gonna take that down. People don't really like it, right? Like, and again, I, you know, I hate to speak for the crowd. I don't know if that's how everybody feels. I know some of us try to detach ourselves our natural inclinations from doing that but I just think that that's just kind of a natural feeling so from an athlete standpoint that's also the feeling right like you want to be the person on the team you want everyone to count on you like for me as an athlete that's what I thrived on I didn't really care about what I did in the game but I got energy when I heard from the sideline that's what I'm talking about Cope. Oh, Cope again you know when a crowd is cheering or booing because of something that I just did, right? Hopefully it's an away team, 
you know, hopefully we're in a away game and I'm and they're booing because I just did something really good. I just sacked the quarterback or something. Right. But ultimately, like that is a different type of energy and a different type of comp competitiveness that we can easily admit as athletes because I want to be faster than you. I want to be stronger than you. I want to get drafted higher than you, although I was undrafted. Right. <laughs> but it's hard for individuals to admit that they naturally have that because, again, um, it's just not just blatant in your face of like, I want to, I want to get more likes than you. Right. Like, but it's really the same mindset. So, you know, I wanted to try to detach myself. It's not that I wanted to detach myself from that feeling. Right. And I'm not talking about Instagram and social media. I don't care about those things. Right. I'm more so talking about the, the competitive nature. Like, like you said, you need that to be successful. Like you need that to stay in NFL, right. Like you can't, if I just didn't care, then I would have been cut and stayed cut a long time ago. But now it's just also while having that competitive nature, also understanding that, well, I have to do something pretty damn special and help a lot of people if I'm going to have my legacy be bigger than just football. Um, one of the last things I'll say for anybody trying to to figure that out or get in touch with that, one of the exercises that I make my students do is you have to write an epitaph or you can call it a life assessment. It sounds really, really dreary. It sounds really like what? So an epitaph, for those who don't know, is what you want read about you at your funeral service, right? And you're like, why the hell? I'm a, you know, why the hell is this teacher making kids write what they want read at their funeral service? Well, no one's ever going to make you do that. But more importantly, like when you sit down by yourself and you write these things, what we found is, and this, it, I, let me give credit where credit is due. My high school made us do this as a as seniors in high school. So that's where I got it from. And it was one of the most powerful experiences of our lives, right? Like you're not writing about, you know, Brandon Copeland. He was a great individual, man. He drove this Bentley truck. He had this much money in his bank account. This was all good, man. Oh, his wife was so hot, right? Like, you know, I'm using like high school language, right? That's not what we were writing. Like you were writing about like, even as a high school kid, you're writing about like, hey, there was this one time this, ran this random person showed up to the funeral and just decided to speak. Like some people wrote about how their funeral looked and this random person showed up to the funeral and decided to speak and no one knew who this person was, but he showed up with his son and talked about how Brandon gave him a, a sandwich one time or Brandon gave him a chance and, and no one else would. And, and it led to his big breakthrough. And now he's able to feed his child, right? Like, like things like that. And that's when you think about like, okay, like a tackle isn't going to help me do that right now. So again, I'm sorry to be long winded. I guess y'all kind of know at this point I am long winded, but it's more about like, if anybody is trying to figure out what that is for them, what that why is or what that long-term vision is for them, I'd encourage you to sit down and and write that for yourself. Write an epitaph. Just figure out. No one else has to see it, but just figure out what you really want to be remembered for. And Brandon, you mentioned that you had your students write that. So, but you're playing football. How do you have students? Can you can you bring <laughs> us into that? Yeah, yeah. So I uh, teach a class called Life 101. Um, it's a shameless plug. If anybody wants to join www.life101.io, but uh, people ask, what is life 101? And, you know, it's, I think sometimes I made the class name so simple that I'm like, Oh, you, 
you should get it, right? But what is Life 101? Like, think about all of the major money or financial decisions we have to make in our lives, like buying your first house, refinancing a house, uh, buying versus leasing a car, good versus bad debt, right? What is what is good debt? I don't know what those things are. Budgeting, investing, taxes, insurance, credit, all the things that are really going to matter to us in our lives, yet we just don't talk about them in school for some reason. Um, I have my own theories. However, um, we literally dive into these things in class. So it's not only myself teaching the class. I've taught it at University of Pennsylvania with my co-professor, Dr. Brian Peterson, for the past three years. Uh, we've opened it to the public. Like I said, anyone can get access to it at www.life101.io. Um, and then also we bring in guest speakers. So I think that that's one of the coolest things is you have a professor who's not trying to claim supreme expert status. To be quite honest, I don't have the time to be an expert at credit and investing and taxes and real estate, right? Like, <laughs> you know, ultimately, like there's a reason why you hire a financial advisor for your stocks, a credit repair person for your credit, a real realtor for your, your home, right? Like they all specialize in these things, but I'm willing to make sure everyone has access to this information. And that's what my goal and purpose is. It's just to democratize the access to this financial education um, information, but also the advice. And so we've created this community. It's been growing. It's awesome. Um, a lot of people, um, you know, taking the advice and actually putting it to use. And then I'll also really quickly, like we talked earlier about payment, right? So one of the biggest things we had to do was figure out a pay payment structure. And as a business person, like first as a, a philanthropist, you're kind of like, ah, like I want to just make it free. But like, Ultimately, it's 12 bucks a month charged annually, similar to Masterclass. Uh, so it's $144 for the, for, for the month. Most people make money <laughs> doing this class. So you're going to, I strongly believe you'll make your money back easily, quickly. But more importantly, I also want to just make sure the people that come to the room are investing in themselves. So a lot of people come into the room. I've never invested. I've never invested. Well, as soon as you're you've registered for my class and you're on that, that, that zoom at this point, right. You've invested in yourself, right? Like that's, that's the, the ground floor. Now I know you're serious and now we can work together and build this thing even stronger. So, um, so yeah, it's been, been fun and we've been growing. And I think the cool part about when you were talking about legacy is that probably in the first few events you did and within the first year you touched so many people that you don't even realize. So imagine both of you this many years later, what your reach has been that you don't even know about. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the, that's the, the cool thing. And that's why I was talking about necessarily, you know, famous versus remembered. I think it'll be really cool that some people's lives will be affected by me and they'll have no idea who my name is, like what my name is, who I am. Right. It might be some people in my class. It might be their grandchildren because they were able to save differently for their retirement and then hand over some money for their grand, their children. Right. Like that could be, that's the coolest thing in the world to me. And Brandon, what's been, you know, You've been playing football for a while, right? Uh, you have a lovely family. You've done things off the field. So what are like your top two most proud moments, right? Like on the field, off the field, whatever it is. But what do those look like for you? Yeah, that's a great question. One. What's that? 
I said partnering with social victories is one. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> right out there. We're, we're number two, birth of your son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I'd, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say the birth of my son and as wild as it sounds, I, I, I don't want to say it's going to sound weird, not necessarily being a New York jet, although I was proud to do that. I think that it, it was very, very cool. I think God put me in this place for a reason, right. Where I was able to be home for the season when my wife and I had our first child. Right. So I remember, you know, I was a free agent that year. My wife was and Taylor was pregnant and there the picture of me signing, I'm kissing her stomach and she's able to be there when I'm signing. Right. And she works at Google and she's tied down to New Jersey, New York area. Right. So like if I had signed to a different team, we wouldn't have had that moment. We wouldn't have had that picture. Right. Then we go in to camp and she's able to come there with Bryson during, during uh, the year. So I think that that experience was, it's not only obviously having my son, but being able to, live the NFL life with my family for that time, right? Family members can come to games. We had this one time where after the game, Cam knows these things, like after the game, we get drug tested. Not all of us, but some of us, you get randomly drug tested. And no one told me after the game, and I just go and I use the bathroom. I go pee, you know, excuse my language. I go pee. But then now you got to try to go and fill up this cup with a certain amount of pee and you've already done it. So I'm literally like, why didn't y'all put a note? Why didn't y'all tell me? That's what they usually do. And is this so before or after I hug you? <laughs> no, I don't even wash my hands, right? Okay, perfect. And then you come running out. Well, <laughs> in Florida when you see me is when you do this. Right. <laughs> but uh but I remember like that, for example, it, it, getting to the to the point of the story so I literally am sitting around this game I can't leave until you finish this drug test so the stadium clears out they've cleaned up the stadium everything like that and I just got the drug test person waiting my family's just waiting for me and I'm just like I told him like hey I'll come back I'll go say bye to my family and come back so anyway long story short they I bring my family back to the locker room after the game right like everybody's cleared out it's like two hours after the game and then I'm like y'all want to go into the field and so we literally go out into MetLife Stadium. There is no empty. The lights are still on, but like it's like my my mother-in-law, my uncles, my niece and nephew, sister-in-law, my mother, right? And like they're acting like they're coming out of the tunnel and screaming. Like those things to me are like we got videos. Like those things to me are like you can't put a price on that, right? That is the coolest thing in the world to me. So um, that was a long-winded one. So I'll just kind of leave it, <laughs> leave it at that. But I think that that's like that year, you know, was, you know, I couldn't put a price on, on that at all. And I think, you know, what I said about the Bucks winning this past week and how the Super Bowl week unfolded is that it was better than any dream I've ever had or movie I could have ever imagined. And I think sometimes life works out even better than we could ever picture and the craziest random things happen. Like I'm thinking of like the Tom Brady throwing the Lombardi, like never in a million years could I have scripted that. Um, right. And I think your story is similar, but for both of you guys, now that you know how things have unfolded, are you glad that you went undrafted or looking back? Do you wish you had been drafted? Mm. That's a powerful question. Cause I'm not going to lie. 
I was drafted, that'd be a lot more money in the bank account. I might not save, you know, I might not. Um, I think, you know, being, being honest, I think everything happens for a reason. And I think that I'm not here nine years later, if I don't go through the the trials and tribulations that I've gone through throughout a career, you're not good enough. Hey, I've had a head coach. Uh, you might be too fat, too slow to make it in this league. Right. Like, um, like, without going through those things and getting that mental toughness, I don't know if I'm here right now. Flip side of that. <laughs> who knows if you can, you can't get those things being a drafted player. Right. And, you know, it, it's partly, it's definitely like your maturity level as you go into the league. Like, are you willing and Cameron knows this, like, are you willing to grow up while you're in the league? Because some guys want to still be rookies, but they're year five, six, seven, or they still want to act like rookies. Like you got to mature and grow up. But I think it's also like I don't want to do a discredit to my family and my village, right? Like I think I came into the league with that mental fortitude and that toughness. Um, but again, those experiences have helped shape the the men that I am. So I wouldn't trade it. Uh, I wouldn't trade it at all. So I guess that's a long way of saying I, I'd still go. I'd still go undrafted. But it's a lot of money out there. First round? We talking first round? First round, I might have to just go first round. I'm not right. <laughs> perspective here. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a lot of coins. And I agree with you, right? Like, if you're able to go top three, get those coins, go ahead and get it. But also, too, right, it's like when you're undrafted, you're starting essentially when it comes to the football world from the bottom, right? Like, undrafted is always on the, the scouting board. Like, undrafted is your 40 and your weight. If you are drafted, like you'll get selected before anybody else does in free agency. But a lot of times when you're starting from the bottom, you have to climb to the top. If you do fall, like that climbs easy because you've done it already. Mm. And sometimes when you start at the top and you do fall, you never made that climb. You never had to start at the bottom when it comes to sport or whatever it is. So it's a lot more tough. So I think just being undrafted has helped in any fall that I've had, right, uh, I was able to climb back up and continue to go. And I think that's just um, symbolic of life in general, really, right? It's, it's going to knock you down. You got to get back up. And uh, I, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Yeah. I think the only thing, too, to, to add, especially when we talk like business and money, what I found, though, is like being drafted or going to a certain schools also play into your payment structure. So, like, that's the one one of the negative things about being undrafted, there are undrafted guys that make the big contracts, make the big money, but there are undrafted guys who outperform drafted guys and you have to beg in the negotiate, negotiation room because, you know, your payment structure is different. So they're kind of like, well, you, you'd be happy with this instead of what you, you know, the real comparable as opposed to the, the draft guy, there's some guys who aren't really performing yet. They know to even start the conversation, you got to start here. And that's just kind of, you know, that's one, you know, that's the business side of things that is kind of a negative that I, you know, wish we didn't have to deal with, but you know, it's part of it. Well, I think the cool part too, is it's all what you make of it. And for the most part, I mean, Cam, no one knew you were ever undrafted Brandon, all the stories about you. I mean, People put it in there as like, can you believe he did this undrafted? But no one, if you didn't know, people have no idea. So it, mm -hmm. it ends up not mattering. Yep. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Cool. Okay, last question, then we'll let you go. For both of you guys, I mean, 
everyone listening, I'm sure for the most part, and me, you know, I'm, I'm on the outside. I'm, I try to get as close as I can to understand your worlds. But from an inside perspective, what has it been like building brands and sort of a whole forever second career, whatever you want to call it, while you've been playing? Like, what has that process been like? Wow. Um, I think it's been fun. It's been a lot of trial and error. Um, it's also, you know, you also have to get comfortable and confident in your feet within the NFL first, because I, I remember coming into the league and like you were afraid to kind of be labeled. Well, there was a, you felt like, and I, no, I, I, I wasn't wrong. You felt like from the NFL side, being labeled as a smart player was almost a negative thing, right? Smart player on the football field, great, but whoa, you're doing a lot off the field. Mm, you know, and so coming from other players. No, no, not other players, but you just felt pressure from the NFL, from coaches, front offices, because ultimately, you know, their 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 ultimate goal is to win football. Like I want your job and you to be focused on football. And so it takes like when you're trying to build a brand off the field, it's hard to do that if you have to kind of be quiet about it because you don't want people thinking you're distracted from what I've paid you to be here doing. And it's not like they've, they've paid you. It's not like they've paid you pennies either. Right. Like they (laughs) rightfully so like you're, they're investing a lot of money in you. So that makes sense. I think it took a while for me one to get cemented in my own career and feel comfortable and confident knowing that I was good enough to say, hey, yeah, like I'm about to go flip a house right now. Like it is what if you want to cut me cool, but come on, like we know I'll run through anybody in here. Right. Like, you know, like <laughs> you got to get to a certain point in your career where you feel confident with people knowing those things. Um, but two, I think you also have to understand that there is a place and a time as well and um you 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 have to understand there's a place and a time as well and then when you do get questions about your brand off the field which cam i'm sure coach probably came up to you at some points in time was like hey like what you doing over here hey i saw you on this sometimes it's positive stuff and you realize that like a lot of especially as you get older a lot of people respect it and love it and want to ask you questions right um sometimes it's kind of like a little negative tone or something with it too. And so you got to realize that there's a time and a place to, to be the peacock and show your feathers, so to speak. But then there's also a time and a place or, or a way to communicate how what you're doing has nothing to do with football, but it's okay. So like for me saying, like there's a reason why in interviews I say, hey, while everybody else goes home and plays video games, I just design kitchens and floors and pick out carpets, right? Like that's, there's a reason for that because I want people to realize, uh, uh, yeah, I guess what he's doing is not bad. He's not distracted, right? Like instead of his time is just allocated differently. It's not that I'm taking less time from football. It's just, I'm spending it differently than my colleagues. So. And it's interesting. Yeah. Like, sorry, Cam, before you dive in one last thought, I just want to say that I feel like I always say people say, um, I always say that, you know, people don't call it entrepreneurial until it works. And I feel like for you, people criticize and critique, and then all of a sudden you get success. And then they're like, great idea, but you almost had to lead the way. And, you know, I I absolutely want to give 
Cam, the floor, I guess, just follow-up question to what you said. Has building a brand helped your football or NFL career or interest from teams? For me, yes. Um, I don't know if it helped interest from teams, to be honest with you. Um, but for me personally, I think it's helped my career because it, I'm playing free, right? Like, I, you can't you can't really take much from me, right? Like, I, I've, I've built – something off the field and and so because it's so many different things it's hard to really define it but I know that I can provide for myself and my family tomorrow if I needed to without football and so that means I can go ahead and take a chance and run that shoot that gap I can take a chance and, and try to jump on this play I can do those things and and I think not to uh I when what clicked for me from a football standpoint, this was before the, the off the field stuff was really clicking and going, but as crazy as it sounds, Kanye West in my, my rookie year, I went to a Kanye West concert. I wasn't even, didn't even, I was, I liked Kanye West. I liked his, his music, but at that time I was pulling myself back from, him cause he had just said he had done more for black history than Barack Obama. It was literally like four days after he was on the Sway interview show and, and he was just going off on Sway. And the vets, the veteran linebackers, they were going to the concert. They said, Cope, they called me. They literally came outside my house. Cope, you coming? Like, I'm like, nah, I'm not trying to go. You know, Cope, we're outside your house. Get in the car. All right, like, am I going to really put up a fight? You want to take me to a, a free concert? Like, come on. There's other battles, <laughs> you know? So anyway, <laughs> we go. Um, and he, during it, however, he goes into one of his, it wasn't even a rant. It goes into a monologue, unplanned, and he's just talking. And I was really just sitting there listening. And I'm like, this dude is a genius. Like, he's either one of the craziest dudes in the world, respect the mental health and all that type of stuff, or he is a genius, right? And what he was saying at that time, a couple of different things. One, he was saying, I've died before, right? Like, he's been in a car accident. I've been dead. And like literally flatline. I'm not afraid of anything, right? Like I'm not afraid of any person, any figure. Like I, what can you do to me? Right. And he said, I look at my life now I'm living life after death. So I'm saying the things I want. I'm living the way I want. And I'm going to speak my truth because again, what can you do to me? And I remember taking that mindset and applying it to football after being cut after sitting out my whole second year, coming back into the league. And I just thought, okay, this is life after death. Like, I'm not supposed to be here. Most people, especially undrafted free agents, don't make it back to this point. I might as well time this up. I might as well be close to being offsides. I might as well shoot this gap. And for me, that, that has helped my career. Um, and I think that that type of mindset also applies when you have set yourself up off the field in a in a decent way yeah be coke the legend wow that's really cool to hear you say that right like you're playing free uh you're not scared right you're not scared to get cut it's like hey let's go get it and it's interesting because you know other people people's perspectives are different depending on what you go through and for me you know i always thought i didn't i couldn't play free right for me for myself um you know, for me, I always I was a special teams guy. And so 
you know, for me, when I would wake up, I didn't know if I'd be going back to the same location, the same bed that I slept in, you know, and people have different things. And that's really, uh, that's really cool to hear that you were able to play free. Right. So now I think my message to the young cats would be to, to share what you just said, Hey, play free. Cause you just, you know, you, you never know what's up. You never know uh, what life will take. You. So uh, be cold, man. It's it's been great to talk to you, brother. To get you here on this Energy Catalyst podcast, always, always. And I, if you don't mind, I really want to add to that too. I think, like you said, the young cats play free, but I think it also understand it comes with a different pressure that I think has helped me as well. I didn't really voice that the first time. Like the pressure of I can't make a mistake on this play, or I can't miss mess up my assignment or miss a line or anything like that because the first thing if I go the wrong way on the play the first thing a coach is going to say you need to spend more time doing football and not doing being on CNBC or not being on Rachel Ray right like focus your tail on football so for me it was always like okay as I do these things I know that I'm applying a different amount of pressure to myself Whew. All right. Well, now I got to double down on the work from the football standpoint to make sure that you can never question my work ethic or my understanding or my mental part of this game for sure. So I think that that's the other thing that I'd say is not like it's play free. It has allowed me to play free, but also it's because as I spoke about all of us earlier, like we also are willing to roll up our sleeves and put in the work so that you can never question my heart into this game. You can never question those types of things, my preparation. And I feel like what I hear you say is, you know, in life, you don't want to have all your eggs in one basket so that you have so much anxiety. If this thing falls apart, I have nothing else. But at the same time, whereas someone may have their one big thing and they can give 70 to 80 percent each time they're out there, the spotlight is more on you. So when you go out, you have to give 110 percent because you're going to be critiqued so much more. In, and you have to be 110 percent and give your all each time in what you're doing in order for those different verticals to be successful. Whereas if someone just has one thing going, they they may not have to be as hungry. Yeah. And I think I think it's it's that. And it's also like there's a lot of people think about like because that's what I, I used to. A lot of people talk about plan B, plan B, plan B. And I, I, I want people to stop thinking about it as plan B. Right. It's just. This is just something else I'm interested in. Right? Like there's more than enough hours in the day or more than enough days in a year to just act on those passions you don't have to like if I was just interested in art it might not be you know I might not be considered the the unless I was selling it for a, a, a grip right it might not be considered the business thing to do or people might not look at it as the uh the person building the empire however I'd still be executing on that passion I'd be drawing all the time or painting or whatever it may be right and I think that that's what what I hope we encourage people to do, right, is it's not that Cam was looking for a backup career or anything like that. One, he was maximizing his platform to do something he already loved, right? He was passionate about. And I show I show kids this at, at camp all the time. And and uh, when I'm talking to them, it's like, if you look at football as this, and it's going to be tough to do this with the hands, but if you look at your life as this, distance right we usually do this with a a yardstick right and then football for example has 
just didn't work at all. Football, for example, <laughs> is blacked out like three years right in here, three and a half years. So you got this whole distance and then you got NFL, the average NFL career is three and a half years right in here. Right. Like that is a lot of time to just not care about anything else, not do anything else. And so the flip side of that is even if you're not a football player, right? Like for me personally, this is just the way I think like bored if I just did the same thing for the next 50 some years, right? Like it's not saying that that can't be the primary and I can't continue to make money and feed my family with doing it, but I'd have to find some way for an hour or two or any time after a day a week, whatever it may be, to do something else that I loved and something else that I was passionate about. So again, I think that a lot of people feel the pressure to monetize their passions and side hustles. We're just fortunate that our passions, we've been able to monetize them as well and use our platform to carry us into it. And I think that advice is super timely because while most of us don't play in the NFL, the pandemic was sort of the great equalizer or um, you know, our wake up call that things can end, you can get cut, you know, because of things outside your control or when you least expect it. And so having those outside passions are really good advice and good lesson for everyone, because, you know, when your life cut from the NFL happens and it may not, you know, you may not get re-signed, what are you going to do with that future time? So I think you guys both are a great example, you know, that, that kind of relates to everyone because I think COVID really showed us that we can all sort of be in these circumstances. Mm. 100% can't yeah. can't count on anybody but yourself. Exactly. Well, um, we, you know, we could probably talk for four more hours and hopefully we'll have you on again soon, Cope. But thank you so much. Um, we know how busy you are. It was very generous. You gave us so much time. And um, I'm just so glad like our paths and passions and whatever brought us together sort of fate. I, I couldn't imagine my life without both of you guys and definitely excited to continue to make magic happen together for many years to come. 100%. I'm, I'm honored to be on your guys' show and, and you guys bring energy into every single room you walk into. Um, you inspire me to do the same and leave those positive marks on people. So again, I appreciate y'all even having me as a guest. Well, and I think after this episode, it's only a matter of time before some network signs the three goats as a show. <laughs> there we go. Bye. There we go. Bye. Three goats coming to ESPN pretty soon, right? <laughs> yeah.